Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dopio. If you're a first-time listener, Dopio is a double shot to wake you up. I'm Dante. I'm Donnell. And we are the Dopio duo that's going to be waking you up today. Uh, first and foremost, how are you doing, father of mine? I'm doing well, man. I can't complain. Um, the weather's been kind of dreary here. Um, but for the most part, like I said uh, last week, all home improvement projects are done. Um, so uh, I have a lot of time on my hands, more time than I had on my hands. And uh, life's going pretty well, man. How about yourself? I'm good. You know, um, I was, I don't know if I said it last week, but I'm really getting into the whole um, not having school thing. Uh, uh-huh. I've been in my, I've been in my creative bag, uh, basically. Uh, between this podcast and you know moving to kind of two episodes a week with interviews um, and then the YouTube channel uh, you know getting it up and running uh, I've been gainfully employed outside of being employed uh, right and I really enjoy it you know communication is the, the name of the game and you know I like the rules of the game very well so, yeah I, I can honestly say you are, you are finding, if not have found, your lane. I uh, checked out the trailer, the interview, uh, the interview that you had last week. I mean, awesome, awesome. You know, you, it, I can see you sitting at the desk of CNN or having your own network uh, series someday. <laughs> I see Thanks. that shape in the head. Yeah, because CNN's on some other stuff. That's what. But yeah, I know. That's just that's just the first one that came to mind. All yeah. of them on some other stuff. But you You're know, right about that. Like BTV. I appreciate that. Uh, we'll see. I- I'll settle for you know having a big following on YouTube and-, and talking to people that way. That medium really suits me and allows me to you know talk in chunks and things like that. So it's it's really good for me. Uh, right. And it's good. It's good for the viewers too, though. It's the, they can actually see. They have like a name to the face kind of thing. So. Right. Um, but my real job, teaching, um, news on that front. Uh, the state of emergency has ended in like thirty-nine prefectures. Uh, for those of you who don't know, prefectures are states uh, in Japan, and so. 39 of them have ended and one of them is the prefecture that I'm a teacher in. However, uh, I live in a prefecture that the state of emergency has not ended. So it's still uh, a danger to the school for me to go to the school. So I'm still working from home. Um, That being said, they're starting to gear up their plan as to how they're going to do this, uh, how they're going to get back into the flow of education. Um, and a lot, there's been a lot of debates here about, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't even start until September. Maybe we should come up with another plan to how we do education and align it more to the Western system. But I don't think any system is doing, I won't say, I won't say they aren't doing well, but I would say there are a lot of deficiencies uh, with, with each system. And I kind of wanted to take the time today um, to talk about the state of the system, you and I had have had chats about this, but right. I really want to get into the weeds on what's the state of our education systems, both United States and abroad, and what are the ramifications and some of the solutions to those systems. Okay. So, and I mean, go ahead. 
I've had a lot of issues when it comes to education system. Having kids and having myself grow up, uh, come up through these education systems. Um, there's a lot of concerns, um, and I agree with you. No, I think there's no perfect fit because when you're dealing with children, uh, you can't really cookie cut. You know, everyone had every child is different, and I think one of the mistakes, uh, and this is just my opinion. Uh, one of the mistakes that we make here in America is that we try to make these kids fit a particular mold. And when we don't, we stamp the special education on them. Um, there's the teaching to the test. Um, there's the whole social uh, issue, I mean, social uh, avenue to what's going on in education. Uh, the teachers, how they deal with uh, kids from a different culture. Uh, there's a whole lot of issues that go go along with it, you know. So, but I definitely think here in America, our education system, to some degree, is fractured. Um, it almost uh, it's akin to warehousing, to some degree. Uh, some kids move along faster than others, and I think that those kids are held back because of the way, because of the system that is in place. And there's a lot to uh, unpack there. Um, I'll start with I'll start with you, what you said about the cookie cutter system because that's something that I can relate to here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can relate to it differently, um, and that's simply because um, while every kid is different um, and everyone every kid has a different home situation here, um, everyone's Japanese, and because there's the same social um, same social structure governing every household, the same um, overriding cultural principles um, in every household, that cookie cutter format of education generally works out. Generally. Um, there are some outliers and I can speak to that um, just being in the school and seeing how kids are changing as they're becoming more influenced by international culture and just younger millennial parents. Um, but the cookie cutter system is a problem everywhere. Um, and it, it does cause deep psychological damage uh, when uh, society values education above everything. Right. going into that you talked about fracturing and warehousing Um, and when you talked about fracturing you talked about how like some areas had a different standard than other areas and that's based on testing or like really it's based on funding yeah yeah and what you see in America is there's standardized testing and funding is linked to that testing and and, and that's and to me that's that's hard because if a school doesn't test well or if students don't test well, then the school as a whole is penalized financially. You know, um, they don't get the, the right equipment. They don't get the right teachers. Um, the principal is pushing the teachers to, to test and teach towards a specific curriculum, which the kids may either not be ready for or they may not serve the child's best interest uh, going forward. You know, yeah. I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember when my my daughter was in school. Uh, they had these uh, AP classes, 
and uh, mm-hmm. college prep classes. And yeah. then uh, her senior year, they actually had college classes. And so well, AP, a lot of AP is college classes. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, they had like, uh, yeah, okay. So, but I thought AP was, uh, well, maybe she explained it to me differently. But she had an yes. AP class and then she had like English 101 uh, from the University of Louisville. Ah, okay. I see what they did there. So AP classes are college courses if you test, uh-huh. if you t- pass the test for that class. But you don't have to. courses. Yeah, with the college courses, you don't have to go through the testing part. You just okay. Do it. Uh, right. Well, they would hurt these kids that that were qualified to be in these uh, specific classes, and you know these kids, if they did well, you know their future was jump started early. Uh, yeah. However, the other kids who weren't um, ready for that level of education um, were sort of kind of left behind and left in the dark, you know, and I accredit that to, to many different things, you know, preparedness, discipline, um, but more than anything, if you're going to cookie cut an education system, then you should take the time to make sure each child is brought along. Now, I know that you can't have three or four or five teachers in a classroom and, and tutoring and things of that nature uh, on a daily basis. However, I think that the system needs to be revamped where it takes each child in consideration. Well, and, and I, I want to I want to make something clear uh, to the mm-hmm. audience out there. Um, and maybe I just need to say it out loud to make sure people get it. We're not advocating a lack of standards. No, we, we, we want we want uniform standards. However, uh, what what you can't have is a system that takes these uniform standards and punishes ununiform learning. Exactly. So, so what what we have is we do have a standard system in America, whether we like to believe it or not. The problem is the standard is different, like for every single, uh, let's say, school district. Now, the only way they can assess whether or not a standard is being met is standardized testing. Right. However, what is that standardized testing anchored into? Right now, it's anchored into funding. We're not necessarily interested in the growth of children. I think you use the word warehousing. Right. Yeah, for, for the most part, like when you think of an educate uh, the American education system, you think of some place to put kids as they're growing up to the level of maturity, whether it be physical or mental. And then after we finish warehousing them and teaching them how to engage in social culture, then we release them out into the world. Right. It's basically like a, a farm. Yeah. And we're growing. Exactly. We're growing this food until we can harvest it. Now, the condition of the fruit is irrelevant. They just want it to get to the point that they can harvest it. Now, if they harvest it and the fruit's great, then maybe it could be eaten on its own. Or maybe it could be taken to a five-star restaurant, metaphorically speaking. But if the fruit is not so good, then they get made into jam or whatever, like some low-grade product that they can cheaply put out there, i.e., and this is no insult to people who don't, who work these jobs, but for the most part, those children, the less than standard fruit 
are put into your factories, your your low income jobs. Military. Uh, yeah, military is also uh, marketed towards those individuals as well. Whereas the other fruit are put into colleges and things like that. Now, that being said, as we're growing this fruit, we're, we're telling this fruit as we're, we're fertilizing and watering them, teaching them that, oh, all of you are going to be able to be in these five-star restaurants. All of you are going to be able to go um, to these places, college, and all of you are going to be millionaires one day if you just work hard. Wrong. Wrong. That's what I, I affectionately call selling a dream. Yeah. Basically, that's what they're doing. They're selling the children a dream. And I think that people are confused as to what the American dream is. And we're focusing on America, and I'm going to broaden out to Japan in a second. But we keep mm-hmm. saying the American dream is for you to be a millionaire. We keep saying the American dream is for you to be rich. Mm-hmm. This is not implicitly the American dream. And I think that a lot of people get that confused and a lot of kids get that confused and it causes a complex in their mind like that oh I have to go to college or I'm a failure and if that's not the baseline or if college is the baseline oh I need to go to this kind of college or I'm a failure exactly I need this kind of job or I'm a failure I need to make this much money in my first job or I'm a failure Right. Now, I need, to, I need to reach a certain plateau by a certain time. If not, like you said, I'm a failure. Yeah, and this F word is partially learned through education. Because yeah, that's where, that's where it's we, introduced. We have no concept of, well, okay, that learning wasn't for me or that situation wasn't for me. I need to find the situation for me. That's not how we teach kids. We teach right. kids by pass-fail. You, you passed math because you worked hard and you're good at math. We don't introduce the idea that, well, his mind is geared towards this particular subject. And because his mind is geared right. toward, he's he's more apt to be successful in it. We we do uniform thinking because we, we idealistically believe that all kids think and act and learn alike. And that is absolutely false. So that's that's right. what you're talking about as far I as mean, your fallacy like your fallacy of system. That's exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. I mean, it, it personally, I remember. Uh, I think it was in middle school. I had a I had a reading problem. You know, I, I didn't read well at all, and partially because the teacher the teachers that I had had this thing about calling on kids to read in front of the classroom. For one, I was shy. Two, I would get nervous up there, and when I start to read, I would stumble over my words. So they would end up yeah. putting me into the reading class. So where all my other friends mm-hmm. would take the shop classes and, and chorus and things of that nature, I had to take reading. I excelled in math. Yeah. On on up until like my sophomore junior year in high school. Um, reading came along later, you know, but they didn't they threw me in this little small classroom where they gave us they had reading modules and, and kids looked at us like you're in a special class. You know, and it could have been done a lot better. I don't know if they're doing anything different today. Um, I made sure uh, with uh, your brother and sister that I started them out reading earlier because of what I was doing, you know. Um, But the fractured system uh, that I was speaking about, you hit it dead on the head. I mean, they, they don't 
they don't look at the individual. They look at the idea of what the individual should be. And then they try to build towards that. And once they see that you're not building that way or you're not growing that way, um, they kind of discard you. They kind of just push you along until they can push you out. You know, and then you have these, yeah. these individuals in society who are, uh, you know, who, who have these fractured ideologies and fractured spirits because of, uh, you know, the dream that they were sold. You know, that, uh, yeah. like you said, that America is this great place that if you work hard enough, you can achieve this. When in all actuality and reality, you can work, you can work like a son. I know people with bachelor's degrees that don't have jobs. You yeah. know, I, know, <laughs> I mean, my entire generation is that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know people who, who, who did well in high school, but due to a lack of guidance and, um, you know, spending time with the child, they graduate high school and they're lost. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I piggyback all of y'all, you, Naya, and Donovan's, uh, social media. And, um, I can't help but to note, especially uh, on Donovan's social media, that um, a lot of the kids, his age, well not kids, young men, uh, young people his age, um, they, they discuss about how, about adulting and how life is hard. And, um, ah, good point. And, yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, good point, let's and, get into that. And, uh, and, and coming from my generation, uh, it's, it's hard for me to grasp that, you know, because if we would have said that, and I granted, times are different, people are different, life is different, America's different. But in that day, in my day and age, you would have been you would have been told, grow the hell up, man the hell up. You know, yeah, life is hard, what you expect? But that a lot of that falls back on the parents and on what society has created. Everybody gets a trophy, you know. Yeah. I'm going to jump in on that one because you said, uh, yeah, life is hard. What do you expect? Expectations are set by education. You don't care about what you're not taught. You don't care about what you're not curious about. And so if, and I'm now I'm going to use Japan as an example. If you're not taught okay. something, you're never going to, to know about it until you encounter it. So you, you were talking about the time, like your, your day and age where you were having shop class, all these other things like that. Well, my school does have that. We have home economics. We have shop. Uh, they, do, they are learning about, you know, making their own lunch. They're learning about like nutrition facts and how to sew their clothes and things like that. Take care of their stuff, take care of themselves. And they're learning this because the last, the last year of mandatory education is ninth grade after that they can go into the workforce period now are they doing that usually no however if you have a situation where you need to work you can go that's it it that would be the end like because there's the the way they saw it was compulsory education should teach you how to live right so right. nine years, nine years of education should be long enough to teach you how to interact in society. And after they teach you how to interact in society, the social rules, how to act right. Well, if you need a job, 
that does not require extra education, then why are we sending you to three more years of school for that? Exactly. Makes no point. So why not send you into an apprentice course automatically after you go to your your formal junior high school, your formal compensatory class or sorry, compulsory classes? So that's and that's kind of the logic behind that. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but I don't want to teach a dissertation about Japanese education. Um, so taking that into account. My generation in America and the following generation, my, my little brother's generation, little sister's generation, they're not, they don't have those ha- home economic classes in most schools. Like the adulting thing you talked about, I laughed when you, when you said that because no one taught me to do taxes. No one taught me to balance a checkbook. No one taught me, uh, I, I don't know how to, I didn't know how to sew buttons until I joined the military. Like actually all my formal adult education happens when I joined the military yeah yeah a lot of it so like these things are viewed as ancillary as other as irrelevant because there's no test for them right so I think that what you're talking about and I I I don't want to say it's not as big of an issue because it's easily remedied but I think the issue is that we're not prioritizing life. Uh, yeah. We're kind of uh, we're kind of prioritizing testing, money, prestige, um, uh, what the flex. Yeah, we're like those are the things we're emphasizing, um, and that's not just on the parents of this generation. It's also on this generation too. They own it too, like. My little brother's generation has to take ownership for the fact that they care more about follows and likes than they do about um, their personal development. Right. Like, they have to own that. Millennials, too. Millennials, too. We have to own the fact we grew up into this education age. And, like, and I can speak from experience that, like, when I see a number on my follows or something like that, it does validate what I'm doing. But because... I don't put my self-worth into that. It doesn't necessarily affect me. But right. our education system puts so much on assessment and on numbers and on validation that at the end of the day, the kids have to latch their worth onto something if they're not taught to, to latch their self-worth onto self-betterment. So the lack of education like can cause more issues when it comes to um, the simple things like adulting or when it comes to self-betterment or making decisions, critical thinking, um, not to rant on. No, 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 no. I mean, you, you, you dead on. I have a question for you. Um, how do they deal with self-worth in Japan as far as um, teaching, you know, a child that, you know, your self-betterment attached to your self-worth or that your self-worth is attached to your self-betterment that's actually a problem in Japan um so luckily the suicides are going down in Japan but for a long time um social pressure uh was what caused people to get better um and what I mean by that is you have to test to get into high school and Mm. every high school has a prestige to it 
a reason for existing, an attachment to a college or something like that, a claim to fame. And if you didn't get into the high school that you wanted to get into, you're a failure. Wow. Because it derails your entire life. And that pressure um, has started new businesses, actually. There's a thing called cram school. So after kids get out of regular school, they go to a tutoring school for three to four hours to make sure that they get into the high school, the high school that they want to get into. That's crazy. Because their life is now pressured into, if you get into the right high school, you can get into the right college. If you get into the right college, you can get into the right company. If you get into the right company, you're set for life. So the the self-betterment thing is less about self and more about achieving a certain level and, and being and the parity between pairs or sorry between peers um, so they don't do that well now what I can say what can I what I can say about this generation that we're teaching now um, is that um, I know I put a lot of emphasis on personal values and being who you want to be and identifying who you want to be. And I'm proud to say that the city that I work in has also put a lot of emphasis on global character and being the kind of person that you want to represent Japan. But make no mistake, there is still a social aspect to this that we're not looking at. Because in America, there's this social structure that says America is the greatest, you need to be the greatest, you are the greatest, as you are just by being American. Nationalism, patriotism, that kind of thing. That's bred into children, saying the Pledge of Allegiance as they grow up, uh, listening to the Star Spangled Banner every other dang day, uh, singing America the Beautiful on 4th of July. All those things are very nationalistic, patriotic, patriotic things that kids are taught as they're growing up to feel proud of. The dichotomy is in Japan, that kind of pride is arguably blamed on blamed for World War II. They say, oh, uh, and they and this is part of America occupying Japan and teaching them this. Um, It's quite controversial that because Japan had so much pride in itself, it did horrible things to other people. So uh, because of that, um, they shy away from the whole pride thing, the self-betterment thing, because it looks like arrogance, overconfidence, nationalism that led into war. So, uh, what do you think about all that? Well, I mean, I mean that's that's a whole nother level. I mean that's that's a whole level. Um, I was hoping that um, that it was a little bit better than over here, as far as the, the self worth thing, but. I see what you're saying about the pressure built in um, when it comes to going to high schools and college and trying to be set for life. I mean, I, I see the similarities to here in America when we tell our kids or when our kids are being told, if you do well, this this is here for you. You know, and then when they get to the end of the road, 
those things are no longer there. But, you know, um, or there's another, there's another, uh, there's a caveat, to it. there's a catch to it. Um, you know, but what, what what strikes me, man, is that you know these these kids today, exactly, these kids in general, um, that they're not getting everything. I don't feel as though they're getting everything that they need in regards to to live. And you you said you said you spoke something um, when you were talking about the uh, socializing and and preparedness and everything. Um, Unlike Japan, and of course I know you know this, um, there's, there's a diversity here in America, and that diversity um, makes the situation a little bit more complex because everyone has their own ideologies and their own views on what they should accomplish or that what needs to be accomplished down the road. And when these kids don't meet those things, you know, they're they're lost. Um, I was listening to a conversation. Uh, the other day while I was waiting in line uh, this one kid was telling another one uh, I, I, they looked like they were like just graduating one of them, one of them I think mentioned a virtual graduation and whatnot. and uh, one of the kids said man I don't know what I'm going to do you know what now I don't want to go to college you know I don't want to go into the military so uh, what do I do you know and uh, I remember feeling that for a little bit when I was young those, those kind of that had lost um, feeling, you know, but today it, it's it's so on so much more because I think this generation um, leans on mental health issues. Uh, I'm not going to say they use it as a crutch because I know mental health is a real thing. Personally, I know that. Um, but when when they use terms like anxiety and depression as a uh, as a reason for why they're not succeeding. Um, it makes me wonder why these issues weren't addressed early, you know, so they could be prepared. So, you know, the whole warehousing and fracturedness of it, um, the unpreparedness, it, 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 it's creating a, a, a whole new generation of, of society that is just, you know, lost for a period of time. You know, how do you help these kids find their way? You know, what do you what do you do with, with the kid that's 18 who did everything he was supposed to, graduated high school, and doesn't know what to do next? You know, how do you help that, that kid? You know, because it almost seems they're looking at it like, you know, I just went through 12 years of school and I don't know what to do. Yeah, um, and there are a lot of people that are trying to solve that problem now in America uh, when it comes to trade schools and technical schools being free, community colleges being free, things like that. There's a big push for that. And I think that that's a great step. Um, but I remember when I was in school, uh, we had a school counselor. Now my school counselor was pretty useless. Um, no offense to her, but she just, she was focused on college. And yeah, I wanted to go to college, but she wasn't focused on me. Um, and I think it's right. really important like we have like this idea of vocational rehab uh, in the VA um, it's like oh we're going to interview you we're going to talk to you we're going to find the job that's good for you and then we're going to put you on the training path to that job mm -hmm. and 
I think that that's something that needs to be happening in high school. They need to yes. be doing vocational I rehab agree. for four years. All four. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say they should do it for all four years is because the colleges or the, the classes that you take, yeah, the classes that you take are going to vector you for certain things. And the first year or two should be the experimental stage. Okay, we're going to try you in this, try you in that, try in this. How did you like it? Uh, was it hard for you? Was it difficult for you? Do you think you'll be able to learn this? Is it interesting to you? And we start stacking data. Okay, this was interesting to him. This was easy for him. He has an interest in doing this in the future. Okay, I'm going to vector you towards this trade skill or this college or uh, this apprenticeship. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and and because it makes sense, it's not going to be done. And the reason why it's not going to be done, (laughs) the reason why it's not going to be done is because it requires an overhauling of a system where that already is underfunded, undersupported. And and I will say it's not a government, it's not just a government problem. It's a parent problem. I see in Japan more active parents in the schools than I ever saw in America. My entire, I will say my entire uh, 12 years of education, I never saw as many parents in the school, in the support system of the school, as I saw in one year in Japan. Wow. So that means taking off from work to come pick up your kid during an emergency drill. Because we practiced, uh, there, like we practiced the emergency drill for big earthquake, because that's the big threat here. Okay. So, the great, the next great earthquake will be destabilizing for all of Japan. So, boom! <laughs> like we do a test for that. All the parents come and pick up their kids one by one by one. You think that would happen in America? No. <laughs> you will find your way home by yourself. I gotta work. Exactly. And, and, and that's part of the problem. That's that's absolutely part of the problem. Um, parent involvedness is essential, you know. And I agree with your idea, your concept of the vocational school, but when it comes to the parents, you should prepare your kids for school. Get their minds right, you know. Uh, and this is like, this is the formative years. This is like age one through five. You know, get them ready for what what's coming. You know, and then once they get in school, stop leaving it on. Stop trusting the school system so much to raise your child. You know, and I get it. Some parents have to work two and three jobs. Some parents are just are, are just it's just single. It's just one parent. You know, so it's hard to to come in from you know a twelve or sixteen hour shift and find out if if little are Little Lee has done their homework and so on and so forth. But it is important to be involved. And the fact that you just said that, you know, and and out of your 12 years of school, you know, you've seen more people in one year there, you know, parents there, you know, it's sad, but it's also telling to uh, our present situation, you know, and why things continue. Why the education system gets away with what they get away with. Because there's no checks and balances. They can decree you know, this is the law of the land, this is what we're gonna do, 
this is the format, this is the standardized testing, and this is the criteria in order for your child to graduate. When I graduated high school, we had a credit system. Um, uh, so I think way back in 1987, uh, I needed 18 credits to graduate high school. Um, <laughs> I think uh, nice. when, yeah, well, I mean, it was still six classes. I mean, it was still six periods. Well, we had six periods, you know, five days a week. Um, but I remember my freshman year, I failed a semester of um, of a general science. Hated science. Never liked science. Um, and I knew that I was going to make it up. But I just never got around to making it up. It, yeah. By the time I was a junior, I completely forgot about it. So the let's see, the end of my uh, my first semester as a senior. We came back to school in January. I guess this would be a couple of weeks after we were born. Um, my co- guidance counselor, you know, who was probably much like yours, uh, stopped me in the hallway. Well, didn't even really stop me. He just said, hey, uh, Donnie, do you, uh, you plan on graduating in May? I said, yes, sir, I sure do. He said, not if you don't make up at, at science class. That was the only thing he Are said. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. And I stopped in the, in the hall. I remember like it was yesterday. I stopped in the hallway. It was like, oh, shit. You know, so I, I, went, I went to the uh, to the office and seen if, I could, if there was an opening in any science class. And uh, just so happens, one of the uh, office ladies was, was real nice to me. And we had a good relationship or whatever. She put me in a science class, you know. So I was a senior in a freshman science class, you know. And if I hadn't done that, I would have failed. I wouldn't have graduated in, in May. Uh, but I say I'll let you say this. That was the only time my guidance counselor spoke to me in the four years that I was at, at Butler High School. And see, that's crazy to me because their entire function for being there, if not for your mental health, is for your educational health. So, I mean, exactly. this go this speaks to generationally, probably. <laughs> I hope, I hope generationally, but it's not because when I went to college or when I went to high school, like for one, I didn't know how to apply to college. I will tell no. you that. Like my mom, my mom and my dad were really busy or stepdad were really busy. They did not teach me how to apply to college at all. There was an right. expectation that I was gonna go, but there was not a teaching of how to do that. They expected right. that the school would do it. Did the school do it? Absolutely not. Do you know who taught me how to, my girlfriend at the time taught me how to apply to college. And the only reason why I really thought about going to college was because everybody else was going. Exactly. Like it didn't really occur to me because I wasn't thinking that far ahead because I had my own issues in high school as to why I wasn't thinking that far ahead. But a guidance counselor should be giving you guidance. (laughs) Like it, it, it it should be mandatory that you meet with your guidance counselor. And I know this may seem crazy, a crazy concept, a crazy idea, but you should meet with your guidance counselor at least once a week. There should at least be a check-in, you know? Yeah. Um, especially in in uh, urban neighborhoods and, and even in rural neighborhoods. You know, uh, you never know what's going on at home. You don't know what this kid is. I, they used I mean, to have a have policy to that. that if, uh, if someone got pregnant or if 
you were engaged in some type of uh, nefarious Nothing but uh, but pregnant women, and it was crazy because you would see one one semester, the next semester, she you got into a fight or into uh, some type of uh, like I said, nefarious activity. They had this school called Project Way Out, and what it was, it was a school that was way out that you went to, and they had police officers, correction correctional officers, and all that. Pretty much it was prison training camp. You know, they didn't have, the counselors were not involved. The counselors didn't do the things that they needed to do in order to aid, assist, and uh, make sure these kids were placed on the right track. You know? And see, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just, and, and, and today I can't really say it's too much better, you know, because I remember your younger brother. I asked him about his counselor once, and he said, oh, yeah, uh, she's the one that's organizing our uh, student trip to uh, to New York. I said, well, what else does she do? Oh, that's it. She just organized field trips and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. Now, I don't know, I don't know if that's about, like, see, and, and here's the thing. We can't, I can't say that it's uh, only on him. 